It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Programme. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Tom Sumner, and welcome to the show. we got a, an interesting one. Actually, we're going to be talking about this uh, off and on pretty much all week. We have um, uh, the midterm primary election is coming up, what, in about two weeks, I think. Uh... Yeah, it's a just just about two weeks, and it's going to be a little different for some of the candidates this time because of the redistricting that went on, um, often referred to as gerrymandering, but gerrymandering is, is, is really kind of when you're doing it um, with a partic- uh, particular outcome in mind. And uh, it's it's been changed, and we're going to talk about how that impacts some of the campaigns and about some interesting races. And today is certainly one of those interesting races, starting in the third hour, uh, the third half of our three-hour tour, if you will. I'm going to talk with a married couple that are both running for the 68th district house seat they've been on the show before they've run before and and they're not running together like a team um they're actually on different sides of the aisle ray freiberger is a democrat his wife lynn freiberger is a republican and they are running for the 68th house uh, seat in the michigan uh, state legislature also coming up in the middle of our three-hour tour I'm going to talk with someone whose name you might recognize from uh, local TV news. Um, Sherry Hardman is running as a Democrat. But we're going to start out this morning with, uh, with an incumbent. And incumbency is a little different this time because of the uh, seats being changed around. David Martin uh, has uh, served as a Republican state lawmaker in the 48th District State House seat. He now runs for re-election in the 68th District House seat. And we'll find out how that, how that works and, and uh, how those two things, those two districts are the same or different with David Martin, who joins me by phone. Good morning, David. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, I'm definitely hearing some some background noise. Uh, are, are you flying an open-air airplane? No, um, I do have a little <laughs> hum, uh, vehicle hum, probably. Okay. Well, anyway, David, um, let's let's get into this whole thing. Is 
Is the new 68th district, the way it's been drawn by the Citizen uh, Redistricting Commission, um, substantially different than the district you've been representing uh, for the last couple of years? It's wholly different, uh, except for my hometown, which uh, keeps me as the incumbent. Um, it's an entirely new district. So I had seven townships in northern Jensen County. I only keep uh, City of Davidson and Davidson Township and go down to Atlas Goodrich, Burton, Grand Blank, and into uh, uh, the Thorntonville area with Groveland Township. Now, when you won in the 48th, um, that was a, a little bit of an upset because it was considered to lean fairly Democratic. Do you think this district leans a different way or has it has it really landed in the middle as, uh, as some of the um, commission members might hope? Well, based on presidential elections, it's probably a tick more conservative than uh, my current district. Um, and it's still close to a 50-50 race. Uh, it's always a consideration and uh, I won on family values and our constitutional values. Uh, when I took the seat from a progressive liberal um, in the 48th because I talked family values, what people in Jensen County want to hear, um, and was true to it the entire time. And I hope the, um, the fact that my voting record uh, shows that my entire time in Lansing will show that I'm serious about doing it uh, again for this new district. And, and, and David, the, um, the campaigning part of it, is it almost like starting all over again to run for this House seat in the new district? Sure. So nobody knows me as the incumbent other than the people in the city of Davison and Davison Township. I was their county commissioner also. I was never the county commissioner in any of these other areas. So um, it's all new, Sixty to 65,000 new people. We've been out uh, on the doors introducing ourselves, uh, sending out mailers so people know who and what I am. And, of course, uh, they can go to the Facebook page and webpage to, to find out more about the issues. Now, in the during this last term, and, and you're the only one running in this race, of course, that has uh, incumbency, All that, although that isn't true in every state house race, um, there are some where there are two incumbents running in the same district uh, because of the way the lines have been redrawn. But you're the only one in this one, and that, that gives you the advantage of uh, a track record, but also the disadvantage of a track record, and you know how that works. Um, David, when you talk about your, your voting record, how do you... Um, how do you feel that that you've done in terms of, of representing the, the voters in your district and what were some of the big issues that, uh, that came up while you, since you've been serving in Lansing? Well, um, some of the things that are, um, well, let's, let's start with my first interview ever when I was running for the State House last time. I was asked a question about family values, which I've been running on. And the, um, I responded by, um, my residents in Jesse County don't want 14-year-old boys in girls' locker rooms. And I was laughed at. 
I was literally laughed at in the newspaper article that was written. Like, that could never happen. And within two weeks, Celine down outside Ann Arbor did that. And now it's uh, a common occurrence with even rapes occurring. So we know what the values are that we stand for as conservatives. I have a 100% pro-life record, um, which I uh, voted against any fetal material being used for research in our research universities. Um, I have stand um, solidly with the uh, uh, protecting our our right to defend ourselves, especially against with the Michigan Constitution that specifically says you have the right to defend yourself uh, and the state. And I'm going to be standing firmly against red flag laws. I'll be standing firmly. We're, we're making sure that people can get their concealed permits during uh, uh, pandemics when there's uh, make sure clerks can't just shut down and not have an avenue for people to defend themselves. So I have a solid record on all of these, and I continue to, uh, to maintain that. Do you think the, the, the laws that already exist with regard to purchasing weapons um, should be adequate if enforced to prevent things like what happened in Oxford? Sure, you need enforcement. You need good parents. I mean, I cannot advocate this more. Family values is core of what I'm talking about. 98.7% um, of all shootings not only have occurred in gun-free zones, but they've also all been uh, caused or committed by males uh, and also those that are um, identified as dad-deprived uh, families. So we can fix the family structure, not have big daddy government take over the uh, role of fathership and make sure we have good, solid uh, relationships and make that avenue available um, by whatever teaching method, advocating for it, uh, making sure the courts uh, recognize fatherhood, uh, keep them in the system. Uh, I think we can make changes that um, will affect the behavior of people without having to take the rights away from people that want to defend their families. And how do we um, how, how do we do that? Because it seems that these uh, these events are on the rise. Well, we have uh, you know things that have gone un, un investigated, under investigated as far as social media. Uh, most of these things have been broadcast. We have to make sure that um, uh, people do report uh, these strange occurrences when they talk about I'm going to shoot up a school that it gets investigated. Um, you know the Oxford. I I don't know how far or how much. Uh, First Amendment, um, or even um, uh, you know, going down to search and seizure. Um, you know, why was not a backpack looked at? You entered the school. It should be condoned that you uh, consent to search and seizure uh, by just the fact that you entered the school, like you do a military post, like you do a courthouse, like you do going into um, um, you know other facilities like that. Um, and yet we don't protect our children with the same level of security. And, and is that just a, a matter of, is that a staffing issue, do you think, David? Well, schools are not prisons, so they're not uh, designed to uh, uh, be thinking in those modes. Um, and we need to uh, make sure that that is incorporated into the model of what our schools are supposed to be. We don't want the uh, children to feel like they're in a prison, but they need to feel safe. And, uh, you know, educators are taught to educate. Um, and we need to make sure they have that aspect of uh, security uh, built in, too. You know, the military, I was a weather forecaster for 20 years in the Air Force. 
and yet uh, and continuously we always had the uh, loose lips uh, sink ships uh, training uh, for security um, information protection anti-terrorism so it's not like you can't do your main career job and learn security also it's just a mindset that you have to have uh, identified so you can focus on it and have it in the uh, career education I was talking with somebody just recently on the show who was suggesting that we do something with schools like we've done with airplanes and air marshals that um, a teacher or two or three on the staff get special training and be armed and serve in the school as the first of the first responders. Uh, do you favor something like that? There's been a lot of talk about, well, if we arm teachers, it'd be fine, but teachers don't want to do that. Well, it's funny that um, I'm told all the time that since I'm not an educator, I shouldn't talk about education. Um, and so are you, are you also saying if you're not a police officer, you're unqualified to carry a firearm? I mean, everybody has that innate ability and created an image of God to do many, many different things. Um, you're not magically in, in ordained to be a teacher. You're not magically ordained to be a police officer. Everybody can be trained uh, to accept these things, and a responsible person uh, can do these things. It's, it's not it's not unheard of. Um, I will say it, and I will be unabashedly say this, that the only thing that stops a, a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, which was just proven in uh, Indiana uh, with a um, uh, ball shooting. The uh, shooter was stopped by a lawfully armed citizen in the uh, food mall. So, yes, it can be done. It can be done safely. And um, if it's a gun-free zone and they find out that they can't go there to commit suicide or suicide by a cop and get in the newspaper headlines, they're too cowardly to do it themselves, so they want to go out with a splash and there's somebody to stop them, a couple of times of being stopped, you won't be seeing this. But when they know they can go in there free-handedly, go in there and get headline news, uh, cause confusion, and legacy, you know, after they're gone, and most of them either get suicide by a cop or commit suicide themselves. Very few are actually caught, and we need to stop that. We need to stop it immediately so that no harm can come to anybody uh, other than the person that was intending the harm in the first place. David, I have a uh, break coming up here in about a minute. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can uh, talk uh, some more? I am pleased to do so. My guest is uh, David Martin. He is a member of the State House of Representatives here in Michigan, representing, uh, he's a Republican representing District 48. He's running for re-election, but they've changed the districts around. So now he's running for election in the uh, 68th District State House seat. We're going to be talking, that's an interesting race because of some of the people in it, and we're going to be talking with some of them as well a little later in the show. But right now, we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are WFOVLP, our voices radio. 92.1 FM in Flint, a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions, and my good friend Paul Herring. Anyway, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click Hello that mouse. Hello everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner Program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our uh, conversation with the uh, incumbent candidate from the uh, State House of Representatives who's running for the newly apportioned 68th District for the Michigan House of Representatives. His name is David Martin, and he joins me by phone. David, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. This is easy. <laughs> Well, we're still we're still getting some noise, and I, are you driving somewhere? I, I I have too much to do to be sitting in one place. I, I am I am on my way to Lansing. Well, good for you. Um, I just mention it so that people listening will understand what's uh, what's going on with the with the noise. Um, David, do you? It has been the case for the last couple of years where there has been a um, Republican majority in both houses of the legislature, but Democrats holding the statewide offices, governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, and uh, attorney general. Is it is it good when it's set up that way? Um, it's absolutely horrible. Um, <laughs> things are so partisan. I'm sorry, things are so partisan that uh, just because, you know, a certain... Um, party member speaks, um, it's automatically going to be dismissed based on who or what their policies are rather than what the idea is. And it really happens when we send up things to the governor um, to give relief to retailers, for example, give them a sales tax relief on personal protective equipment, and she vetoes it outright without any negotiation with us beforehand and say, well, I wanted it done by a grant program. Well, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to know that? She knows a bill was going through. She knows that the bill was. She knows there was going to be a sales tax release. Why did she wait until she vetoed it to tell us she wanted a grant program? Those types of things cannot get things done in Lansing. I have gotten bills through. I've got some very good things signed uh, uh, for education. Uh, more people, are, more of the students are going to get information on their entire career outcome could be from the 8th to 12th grade, uh, cost of college, skilled trades, how to become a public servant. All these things to be uh, given to them now by the school. So there are some things that can get passed, but some things come down to almost inane silliness because of partisanship. Um, do you anticipate any pushback in uh, in Michigan, especially in the uh, upcoming November election? Um, against Republicans by Democrats over the Supreme Court ruling that uh, uh, made Roe v. Wade moot? So, it did not make Roe v. Wade moot. Um, it made the federal government dictating to the state moot. Uh, the EPA can no longer issue regulations uh, as come from Congress. There's a lot of things the Supreme Court is. Uh, in New York, um, it, it's allowed now that other people can come out of their house and defend themselves. They don't have to just defend themselves inside their house. There's a lot of great Supreme Court rulings that just came down that gives a lot of this control back to the states and gives the legislatures in both the federal government and the uh, state legislatures the power to do things um, versus regulatory by fiat, um, executive orders, uh, regulatory orders, or by a court. And that's a good thing overall for everybody. So all all the Supreme Court uh, um, ruling did uh, recently was give it back to the states to make a determination for themselves of how they're going to handle their um, protection of life. 
do you think we should just um, allow the uh, 1931 ban on abortion to move forward as it was expected to? Uh, I, I will not be voting to change anything. It's going to revert back to 1931. Um, the life of the mother will still be protected. If there's a, uh, a baby for a miscarriage and it has to be removed, that is not an abortion. Do not fall for this, people. Um, only uh, as a half of a percent, like 0.03 percent of, um, of babies are conceived in, in rape, and that is not a reason to outright uh, deny life, liberty, and happiness to all these children in the womb. Uh, I go to women. People throw women's rights up on me. Well, abortion is not a health care. The mother's healthy. The baby's healthy. It is not a health care issue. Um, and I, I also find out women's rights. You know, Title Nine. Um, I want to make sure that little girl in the womb gets a chance for life, liberty, and, and has pursuit of happiness. So the arguments to go to this petition that's out there, horrendous, you know, for mental anguish going to nine months uh, uh, before you still have an abortion, that, I mean, if you don't think it's a baby then, I don't know when you ever think it's going to be a baby. So I, I really think that uh, we have a good uh, rule for an objection of life and um, it, it, the Planned Parenthood system has encouraged women so much that they need an abortion. They're going to uh, you know, need it to avoid poverty and so forth. If we're going to kill children over poverty, uh, we're never going to get anywhere in this country. And uh, we're making improvements in our foster care. Uh, we're going to prove that. There's adoptive parents ready to uh, step up. Uh, so I do not see a huge change in our economy or our society other than for the better if we actually care about life Maybe some of these shootings in the inner cities because people have some, uh, they'll understand what the sanctity of life is all about and we can move uh, forward with uh, the pursuit of happiness in this country. But do you think the 1931 law is adequate or does it need some adjustments uh, uh, to, to meet the demands of a more contemporary society? Well, you know, the law of God started uh, and does not change. Um, so, you know, Thou shalt not kill does not change. Uh, the principles of that does not change. I, I don't know why you think it's because society changes or there's a new technology that it changes uh, some, uh, you know, like the Constitution being fluid. No, those are rights uh, protected, are, are rights given by God and protected under the law. Um, those do not change because of society or technology or somebody's whim because um, every five, ten, generation, whatever it happens to be, would be changing things. It would make no sense. Um, there are truths in this world, and that is one of the truths, and I will stick by that. So you think that uh, the 1931 law should just go into effect? It, it started in the 1880s, I believe it was, that initial writing for that law. Um, it was uh, codified even stronger in 1931. It was verified by the Michigan voters in 1972. Um, so in the 40 years that it was in place, uh, the voters uh, confirmed it uh, before Roe v. Wade came and overruled that. Um, I don't know why. Um, just because we have the Internet now doesn't mean the truth has changed. Well, that's a fair point in... Uh well, the last place you want to get your information is from bumper stickers and Facebook memes, right, David? Well, that's true. And let me tell you, there's a, uh, you know, everybody has misinformation. Everybody tries to push their agenda. I mean, that's that's human nature, um, and that's marketing. 
Um, but in, in this case, I will stand on the side of life. Uh, there is a very, very, you know, protecting the life of the mother um, is so rare anyway, uh, and it's a medical decision by a doctor, so there's no way it's going to be prosecuted by in a, you know, a, a judge or get to a judge because it's, uh, that's between a doctor and the patient for protecting the mother, um, and that's pretty straightforward. David, one of the big things that, that came up while you were uh, serving in Lansing this last couple years, of course, was the, the pandemic and um, Governor Whitmer's response to it, which she was uh, one of the more aggressive governors in the country with regard to uh, mask mandates and uh, business closures, school closures, and, and uh, quarantines and, and that kind of thing. And she based as her power to do those things a couple of Michigan laws that the legislature has undone. Most people think that it was um, that the legislature was trying to take away the governor's right to react to an emergency. Can you explain that a little differently? Because I think there's a little piece of that that people are missing where they're saying, of course she has the right to react to an emergency, but if it's going to go on more than, say, 28 days, we want her to consult with the legislature. And I'm not sure everybody picked up on that. that that's absolutely true. Um, she used the uh, law that was actually... Um, uh, it was redone in 1976. Uh, the emergency powers. She went with the older law that gave her unlimited powers. Um, we took her to court. The court upheld the fact she used it improperly. So the, the law that brings it back to the legislature just to hear it every 28 days. If it's, you know, we affirm that there's emergency for executive to handle things. But we want the voice of the people to weigh in because we don't want one person or one ideology to make the determinations for 10 million people when there could be different interpretations. I wrote a letter, got signed by 28 of my colleagues, when the uh, truckers in Canada were blocking the bridges. I asked for her to contact the Canadian government and the federal government to just release, relieve the vaccine mandate. Traffic would flow. Our supplies would be flowing. It would all work out. And I knew she would go heavy-handed, and she did. She asked for heavy equipment to remove forcibly the trucks because she only has two tools in her toolbox, a hammer and a sickle. And that's the way she acts. She has never been in business to make these decisions. She only acts on her ideology, and it is not good for 10 million people in this state. You know, it's really interesting. I was talking to an attorney who practices in both the U.S. and in Canada, and he was talking about some of the truckers that were in that, that blockade on the Canadian side got removed by the Prime Minister using an emergency manager law much like the one in Michigan but a seldom if ever used law and there were complaints from the people that were being removed from the protest saying that their right to free speech was being violated and the lawyer was pointing out that being on the border with the U.S., they're so used to hearing about their their right to free speech, they think they have one, and that that's a uniquely American privilege. And it's it's a privilege because we have protected under law. Those rights are for everybody, the entire world, every human being, crazy image of God, has those guaranteed rights, those inalienable rights. 
life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We codified them in the Bill of Rights. And uh, so, yes, if anybody, I mean, the Roman philosophers, the Greek philosophers, uh, biblically, everybody knows they have these rights. And everybody's acted on these throughout history uh, because we know what, uh, what we should be having uh, for uh, our, our moral values. And then when the government steps in and does something different, you know that it happens. You don't have to have an American Constitution to tell you this. Well, it, this particular lawyer, David, was pointing out that, you know, Canadian protesters aren't protected by the American Constitution. Hey, we, and, we, may and encourage, like, yeah. we may encourage those things around the world, right. as you said, but, you know, the, the protection isn't part of our legal structure. Right. American traveling to Canada doesn't take his uh, constitutional protections with him. He takes his enable rights with him, but you don't. But uh, that doesn't mean the Canadian government can't act against you because you don't have your constitutionally protected uh, guarantees. Um, yeah, I, I just think that you know there's there was pastors that were um, uh, jailed because they held their churches against violations of Canada, um, and that's the whole reason we want the legislature to weigh in on these emergency powers. Um, the committee will hear it. Um, yes, you still need it. It doesn't have to be 28 days. It could be within two weeks. We say, hey, we're going to extend this. Um, we need to get this under control. Whatever that emergency is, whether it's a, a military emergency, um, a natural disaster, or uh, a disease, and we just need to make sure that um, the people have a chance. We don't want just a parliamentary um, dictator to tell us what to do. We want the voices of the people, and that's uniquely American also. We want the voices of the people to be at least heard and have an avenue of being heard, and that's your state legislature. Do you think there are going to be any changes in the makeup of the, the legislature um, through this midterm election because of redistricting? Uh, redistricting will play a little bit about it. Um, you know, the numbers show that it, uh, you know, this independent commission, you mentioned gerrymandering at the opening. Um, there's some weird-looking places. Um, you know, we're going to have seven representatives instead of five out of Jensen County. Lapeer County's always had one. They're not going to have three. Uh, so it's going to be different. Um, but I think because of the national scene, the national issues, inflation, price of gas, uh, it's not going to be uh, a 50-50 split like the Independent Commission would have intended. I think it'll still favor uh, conservatism. Um, with the uh, with the budget that was recently passed, and and the um, and was the education budget done separately from the state's budget? Well, I don't set appropriations, and I vote on the bills when they come up. So how they actually did the negotiations and when they uh, put them separate. Uh, we did pass the school bill. We always try to get that done um, so that the schools can plan. Uh, there is a deadline for the schools. So, yes, it does take a priority. Um, and we did fund the schools fully um, within the budget, first time ever. So to tell, say that Republicans don't care about public education for the first time it's ever been fully funded, uh, as promised. Um, and uh, even our um, even our universities, we have more public universities in Michigan than pretty much anybody else are state funded. And uh, uh, we make sure that those were uh, properly taken care of too. Um, that 
issue for another day about if we have too many of those, um, but at least we're taking care of the promises that were made uh, by past legislators. Is there, um, is there a concern that some of the things that are being fully funded right now are being done so with um, COVID relief money and that it's a, a one-time thing? What, where, does, where does the revenue, where does the money come from when that money has been expended? So we're, we're expending it one time. On most of the things that we did, we looked at one-time expenditures so that um, we don't have to rely on uh, bureaucrats being funded uh, for our entire career. Um, for I'm going to use uh, the example I'm going to use is pensions and municipalities. So audits on a municipality looks at 60% funding to be viable to be able to maintain by current workers. So we funded any municipality below 60%, up to 60%, so that they can get their audits in order. Um, that's a one-time expenditure that will make them healthy, that they don't have to dip into their funds all the time, and we won't have to worry about the communities going bankrupt and having Marquette pay for Flint's police and fire, uh, Escanaba paying for Benton Harbor's police and fire. Our, you know, that we don't have to worry about um, you know Hamtramck going bankrupt. All these places um, will now have a solid pension funding, and they can use their general fund for uh, taking care of the services that need to be taken care of. But until the uh, until the COVID relief dollars started trickling down to the states, Michigan was looking at uh, you know possibly being in the red a little bit going forward. Is that a problem down the road, or do you see revenue returning over the next few years? Well, it's always hope that revenue returns. We have to make Michigan the place to uh, live, work, and retire. That means we have to have the right economic plan. We have to have the right tax plan uh, so that people want to move here and companies want to build here. And uh, that'll help our, our bottom line. We have to have the right property tax uh, values. So if we make um, our municipalities healthy because whether it's recession, uh, promising uh, uh, retirement benefits on the end of their career versus pay during their career, if we can make those things healthy, that helps us have to be able to address things in the future uh, with the income and the revenues we have rather than uh, taking ourselves a hole. For example, our roads were bonded by the governor. We had a plan to pay for the roads. Um, she didn't like the plan. Again, partisanship. It was our plan, so she didn't like it, and she bonded it. Well, we're going to pay for that bond for 30 years. So we got to make sure those revenues that we have are there for 30 years. And gas tax uh, may not do it if we go to electric vehicles, so we have to come up with a new funding um, so that uh, when the 30-year bonding is, is paid off, then we have to still maintain our roads. So there's a lot of issues. It's a, it's a huge lift, and um, uh, I'm glad I've been there for two uh, years to learn this. I'm glad I was in county commission before that to learn how you know, the county road system works, uh, other tax bases, tax collection, uh, so that I can answer these questions now uh, rather than coming in uh, with no knowledge of this and having to be a rookie. And I'm, I'm hoping the 68th district realizes that they're getting experience and that experience means something. Well, this has been a strange year for uh, members of the GOP who are running for governor. Have you uh, have you picked a uh, a favorite out of the five that remained on the ballot? I'm going to give you a politician's answer. You ready? Yep. I'm running my I'm running my own race. I have an election to win, 
and I have a 50-50 <laughs> district. I'm concentrating on my district. But, I will be voting for the Republican ticket. Okay. Um, so you'll support whoever survives the... the. Um, I need a new governor to get 31 election reforms finally passed instead of vetoed. I need a new governor so we don't continue to bond things. I need a new governor so we don't use emergency powers given over to a public health official not elected. Um, I need a new governor to do those things, so yes. David, um, we're just, just about out of time, and uh, as you know, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might find out more about you and your campaign. Uh, do you have a website you'd like to share? Um, our website has all the endorsements. Um, I'm the only NRA-endorsed candidate, the only uh, Right to Life Michigan-endorsed candidate. So all those can be found at Michigan, or Martin for Michigan, that's the number four, martinformichigan.com. And uh, Facebook page, uh, David Martin, State Rep, um, easy to find. Uh, the information's out there flowing. And in the 68th district, if you're a, a, a traditional primary uh, voter, if you haven't seen my face about every week in your mailbox, uh, we can make sure that you get on the mailing list also. Well, David, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. I know you're, uh, I know it's a busy time, especially with that uh, race coming up in two weeks uh, or that uh, election coming up in two weeks. But it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, best of luck to you. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Tom. Whether it's uh, here on your show, um, in the studio, at an event, uh, I always look forward to talking to you. Thanks. All right, take care. That was uh, David Martin. He is um, currently the uh, 48th District State House Representative in Lansing, and uh, he's running for re-election, but they've changed the district, so he's now up for election in what's called the 68th District for the Michigan House of Representatives. Um, as he mentioned, he was... Uh, he was on the uh, Genesee County Board of Commissioners before going to Lansing. Um, coming up um, in the next hour, we're going to talk with someone who might be familiar to you from ABC 12 News. Um, she uh, anchored the, the weekend news for uh, several years. And uh, her name is Sherry Hardman. She's running as a Democrat in the 68th District House seat. And we'll find out what made her uh, decide to run for political office. And, and we'll be talking with her coming up in just a little bit. Um, this week, we're going to look at um, a number of different campaigns and talk to several different candidates um, as... Uh, there are some differences in the uh, in the districts. Now, it's not unusual to have districts change. It happens every 10 years, but it's been a little bit more dramatic this time since voters in Michigan agreed to have an independent commission draw the lines instead of the legislature, and usually the lines were then drawn by the majority uh, party. Um, and so they had a tendency to favor one party or another, and it's uh, changed things a little bit this time, and we'll talk to some candidates in some interesting races about that, uh, about that and more. In the meantime, we're going to take a short break, but there's lots more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan with Blood Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. More than one audience has been taken unaware by the humor of Senator Barry Goldwater of Arizona. Here is Senator Goldwater accepting the nomination for President of the United States at the annual mock convention of Washington's exclusive Alfalfa Club. Well, this is the most exciting thing that's happened to me since Walter Ruther made me an honorary auto worker. <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, if my voice trembles a little at this historic moment, I'm sure you'll understand. It takes my breath away even though I feel the White House is now ready for me since Jacqueline remodeled it in an 18th century decor. (laughs) And frankly, I I feel it's a double honor since I've never even been to Harvard. (laughs) But members of this convention, this has been a genuine draft, not just the kind felt by reservists, and I've, and I've yielded to it in the sincere belief that no man with a drop of patriotism in his veins could turn down such a golden opportunity to advance his family. Uh, of course, the, the Goldwater clan is not as large as the Kennedy clan, and my brother Bob doesn't want to be in government. Uh, <laughs> He promised Dad he'd go straight. (laughs) And I wouldn't be truthful if I said that I was fully qualified for the office. I don't play the piano. I seldom play golf, and I never play touch football. But I hope you'll find it in your hearts to accept a president who just sits behind a desk and works. Now, I must take note of the fact here that my opponents call me a conservative. If I understand the word correctly, it means to conserve. Well then, I'm just trying to live up to my name and conserve two things that most need conserving in this country, gold and water. to turn to my campaign platform, but before I do that, I just want to say that I don't apologize for being a conservative. I can remember where the conservative and mother were clean words. <laughs> but as you all know, I've argued for some time that we should do away with the cumbersome and lengthy, unmeaningful and platitudinous promises that the platforms of both parties have become. We need bold, brief statements that all Americans can understand. Now, the first plank fits neatly on one page, but I think it's basically sound and honest. It will mean the same thing to you whether you live in the North or the South, whether you're a farmer in Maine or an industrial worker in California. It says, and I ask you to pay close attention, elect Goldwater. (laughs) Now... 
Gentlemen, that's it. No nonsense. No shilly-shallying. No hair-splitting. Just elect Goldwater. It's got a nice ring to it that I sort of like. And is there anyone from the highest to the lowest, from the ordinary school child to the lowliest Harvard professor, who can possibly mistake this meeting? I'll go even further. Is there anyone in this convention hall who doesn't understand it? Now, members of this convention, the other two planks deal with labor, education, foreign policy, and the farm problem. Here's plank number two. Elect Goldwater. Now, you may notice a certain similarity between the first plank and the second. And I want you to know that that was deliberate. It's been my experience that the public is confused if you offer too many issues. The thing to do is to get a hold of a good one and stick to it. Hammer it home. Repetition, gentlemen, is the way Madison Avenue sells toothpaste and soap, and it's the way the new frontier stays in the limelight. But when repetition occurs at the White House, and it has since 1932, it's not a sales pitch, it's a giveaway. You don't even have to guess the price. And now, gentlemen, for the final plank. Plank number three. This is the bell ringer, and it's even shorter. It just says, ditto. <laughs> there, gentlemen. I suggest that you have a platform in five words. Elect Goldwater, elect Goldwater, ditto. And just to keep things symmetrical, I think I'll hold the budget down to five figures. Jane Mansfield's for openers, and I'll accept nominations for the other four. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs> 